Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Right now, big things are going on at Collective as we are finishing the work on our own 24-7 space with the plan to be open by Easter. Until then, you can continue to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We'd love for you to join us. God is moving at Collective and in the city of Frederick, so stay tuned so you can be up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved with what's next at Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. Good morning, Collective. My name is CT. I get asked a lot, what's your position on staff? I'm not on staff. I'm a volunteer, just like so many volunteers who use gifts, talents, and passions to help make this church better. And one of my passions is teaching. So let's jump after it. Have you ever traveled on an airplane with young kids? I love my kids, but they are four and they are two years old. So when we travel on an airplane, we need all the things. Diapers and wipes and diapers and wipes, car seats for both of them, pack and place to sleep in, clothes, toys, and approximately 814 snacks and movies to keep our kids happy. We are both a parade and a comedy of errors when we sloth speed through the airport. Now think about you for a second. Have you ever taken a trip? Maybe as a child, you packed up for a vacation, siblings, possibly uncles, grandparents. Are we there yet? No, we're actually still in the car, packing the car. And half the time, it seems as though the packing up takes longer than the actual process of getting there. And what's really interesting is there's some recent research that backs this up. My wife brought this to my attention. She heard that new parents who have young children spend on average 96 hours a year just putting their kids in the car. That's a full four days of my life putting my kids in the car, and that doesn't even take into account getting them out of the car. We laughed about this, and then that got us thinking, what are some other things that we do that add up to crazy amounts of time? In the first year of your life, somebody changed your diaper approximately 5.53 times per day. Yes, there's research to back this up. You can find it. But if you figure about three minutes per diaper change, that means somebody spent four days of their life in your first year of life just changing your diaper. The average woman will spend a near full seven days in front of the mirror in 2021, only in the morning to get ready. Social media. Are you ready for this? Here in the United States, as adults, we spend just over two hours a day on social media every day. This means in your 2021, you are going to spend 30.4 days of your 2021 scrolling. Now, I'm afraid if you are a pre-teenager, 8 to 12, the numbers don't get any better. In fact, pre-teenagers are going to spend three months of this year on social media. 
If you're a teenager, that number jumps to over four months of your year. All of this is recording to review42.com. But what that means is when you take a quick or not so quick look on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever in the world that is, my kids are already groaning about how not cool I am. Check the mirror one more time to style your hair, pop that zit, flex your muscles. In my case, flex your skeleton. It all adds up. We just aren't aware that it adds up because we don't think about it like that. And I said this the last time I preached in December, small changes can have a big impact. And today, we want to continue that train of thought, but apply it in a different way, with generosity. Now, the term generosity literally means readiness in giving. Basically, you are ready to give and give in bunches. And some of you may know today, we are talking about how to win financially. And while we are looking at this from a biblical perspective, this is something that all of us want. We all want to do better financially, no matter what we think about the Bible. And most of us secretly or not so secretly wish we had more money. Check this out. January 11th of this year, just a few days ago, the combined earning potential between the Mega Millions and the Powerball Lottery was $1.2 billion. That's a lot of money, hard to kind of put into context. So I had some fun and I looked at how can you spend a billion dollars? That's enough money to buy you season tickets at Camden Yards. And for those tuning in online who may not know, Camden Yards is the home of our very own Baltimore Orioles. That's actually enough money to buy you every seat at Camden Yards. You can invite 45,790 of your closest friends and have 81 parties with the Orioles for this year and next year, all the way until 2030 and pay for all of it. Most of us have played this game before. If you won the lottery, how would you spend a billion dollars? A beach house, pay off debt, hundreds of acres on a mountaintop in the middle of nowhere. Now, what's crazy is when I was doing some research and some digging on how to spend a billion dollars, people who own yachts said they have two great days when they own that yacht. The first day is the day they buy it. The second day is the day they sell it. On a smaller scale that maybe we can relate to, when my parents lived in South Texas, they said the best day of summer was the day they opened up their pool and got to go for that first swim. The second best day of summer was when they shut down the pool for the season. So on a big and a small scale, we as people have this initial desire and happiness for new things. It's not bad. It's not evil. We all feel it. Maybe it was the first time that you stepped into Camden Yards. For me, Wrigley Field, home of the Chicago Cubs. You bust out that new pair of kicks. They're looking fresh and you are feeling it. 
your key ring has the key to your apartment, your house. And it does feel good. But that feeling, that high, it goes away. I know if I want a billion dollars, my first purchase is very easy. And someday I hope this actually happens. I'm going to buy a brand new to me Jeep Wrangler. I'm going to pull into the driveway of our house. My wife's going to come out and take a look. I'm going to get this big, cheesy, flirtatious grin on my face. And I'm going to look at her and I'm going to say, get in. We're going to take the top off of the Wrangler, top off of the Wrangler. Keep it 100 with me here, people. Top off the Wrangler. Feel that warm sunshine. We're just going to take off and drive. I'm going to feel like Andy Dufresne, Shawshank Redemption, when he finally gets to Mexico. Where are you driving? I don't care. We're driving, and I'm going to have my love swerve there next to me. So how does it go from that to, eh, it's not really worth it. I'm not driving that far. It's a little bit cold today. I actually don't even really feel like driving this Jeep at all anymore. The moment fades, the feeling is gone, and then we search for that next thing to give us that moment and that feeling back. And if we're not careful, life becomes an endless, tireless game of searching for that next thing. But here's the kicker, that game doesn't have a finish line, and it doesn't matter if you have $10 or $1.2 billion in your bank account, it's not a game that you're going to win. And we can fall into the trap of thinking it's about more things and more money, but that's not how you win financially. Ask around. Do some digging of your own. People will tell you one of the best things they do with money is to give it away. Freely, cheerfully, no strings attached. That is what we want to tap into today. Generosity, ready to give and give in bunches. And biblically, this is what God calls a cheerful giver. Check out the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul is the author of this book, and he's writing to a city in Greece called Corinth, which is where the name Corinthians comes from. But check out chapter 9, verse 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Now I'm going to lay all my cards on the table this morning. And this is where some of you may get put off. But stay with me. I'm telling you, I'm going full transparency. If you call yourself a Christian you have a financial and a faith responsibility to give to your local church. And if you're watching, if you're still watching right now, chances are high that means this church, collective. Aha, I knew it. He was just buttering us up before he asked for all of our money. That's a natural response. I personally have had that response as a Christian when other people have talked about giving to the church. 
But hopefully, once we all have a full view of God's idea of generosity, we'll see that it goes much deeper than what we know it can. But before we get into all that, I want to explain some of our vision as a church, how we approach financial generosity. This is high-level vision that our leadership has poured over because we want to get it right before we give it to you. We want to tie your generosity to your faith. One of our core values here is to own your growth. You take steps to deepen your faith. And financially, that is no different. We want to tie and intertwine your generosity to your hopeful growing faith. And if you are not ready for that from a faith in God perspective, that's okay. We're glad that you are here and you are always welcome here. But for those of us who are growing in our faith, whatever that looks like, first week, fifth decade, part of our responsibility as a church is to teach biblical wisdom. Part of your responsibility as someone who believes in Jesus is to take action steps in your faith. Specifically today, action steps with your money. And everything that we just talked about is biblical. As your faith grows, your generosity should also grow. And this is seen in generosity to your local church. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 tells us, Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the best part of everything you produce. Other versions of the Bible commonly refer to the best part as the first fruit. And this was a direct teaching to the time period. The people who heard this were farmers and they would have understood the idea of first fruit. Everything that was harvested, that's a first fruit. I give a portion of that to God. In today's terms, it might be something like God before my bills, God before my weekend, God before my friends, God before my charitable giving. This is money that we intentionally set aside and cheerfully give to God through a local church. And again, let me reiterate, if this makes you uneasy and you're not feeling it, that's fine. I'm not trying to twist your arm. We want as this church to help you grow in your faith. And if you aren't ready to take that next step, you're not alone. A lot of people struggle with the idea of giving money to the church. Why? Like, why do I need to do this? Why does God need my money? Well, he doesn't. Giving to the church is for your benefit, not God's. Giving to the church is for your benefit, not God's. And some of you may hear that and you're like, uh, run that back one more time. Like that makes sense. Like licking a light pole in wintertime makes sense. You're telling me that if I freely give away my hard-earned money, I'm the one who comes out better in the end. Yeah, okay. But this is part of the beauty of the journey of a relationship with God. He is helping us. God doesn't need our money. God already owns everything. 
Giving helps us become less selfish. We care about our community more. We trust the relationship that we have with God. It helps us keep our priorities in check. We cultivate thankfulness, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. If you do a simple Google search, you will see from the very beginning, the first book of the Bible, God instructs those who follow him to financially give to him. And one last point before we transition about the idea of giving specifically to the local church. There's a portion of the Bible called the New Testament. This is where Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And one of the things that Jesus did while he was here on earth was to establish the local church. And ever since then, biblical giving has always been in the form of giving to your local church. That's a lot of heavy material. Let's change our focus just a little bit and let's get practical. We said in the opener, small changes can have a big impact. Check this out. Out of all the people who currently are giving to Collective right now, 17% are reoccurring givers. Don't trust my math skills. I'm a communication guy. But that cute girl named Rachel, who was in charge of our church finances, just so happens to be my wife. And she loves numbers and spreadsheets. So you can trust her math. This is people who have set up reoccurring weekly, biweekly, or monthly. Their giving is set. They don't have to worry about it, and they don't miss. It automatically comes out and goes to the church, 17%. Compared to national trends and studies, that's good. But what if we all took small steps of faith this week? What if you, for the very first time in your life, gave money to the church? Talk about a scary step, but that's a step of faith. What if you started giving regularly? What if you set up reoccurring giving? And for some of us today, what if our giving reflected our recent raises we got at our job, Christmas bonuses, or reflected our growing faith in God and we wanted to give more? Here's a simple question. What if the other 83% started doing reoccurring gifts? Dream with me for a minute about the impact we could have with that extra money as a church. We could start to plant more churches. We planted our first church in Haiti a few years ago. Because of political unrest, we haven't been able to be there as much as we want to, but we sent a team there, we sent resources there, and we established a local church in Haiti. How many more churches could we start there and here? If you missed it, last month we created this awesome video sharing details about how we are able to pay off one million dollars in medical debt for our community. One million dollars. Who would have ever thought we as a church could have that kind of impact? It's because when we did our capital campaign fundraising for our new building, hundreds of people just like you said, you know what? I can make a small change. 
And that small change had a very big impact. What if we could do that every year? What if we could wipe out medical debt in Frederick County? How would our county be different? As you dream and as we dream, I want you to know that this church is doing everything that we can to set you up for success. I say this when I do the host spot. I say this on Sunday morning. I just said this last Sunday in my host spot. Giving money to this church is very practical and easy. You can give online. You can give through our app. And to prove that to myself this week, I went back a few days ago and readjusted our numbers and reconfigured some things just to learn again how easy it was to do this. Simple. Secure, very user-friendly. More important than that, however, I want you to know that the staff of this church from day one has decided everything that comes in, we're giving away 10% of that. This is a standard that we live by. This is not going to change. We want to follow what the Bible says about giving, but we also want as a church for our hearts to be in the right place. And this is one small change that we of a church has made that has made a huge impact. We dream big as a church. We want you to dream big with us, but we take action steps and we want you to take those action steps with us as well. So here's how you win in your finances. This year, 2021, how do you win? How do you become less selfish? Care more about your community. Trust your relationship that you have with God. Keep your priorities in check. Cultivate thankfulness. The first thing for some of you, you need to sign up for Financial Peace University, FPU. It starts Monday, February 1st. It runs for eight consecutive weeks. My wife and I, we like to say that we are wildly passionate about your financial journey. We are teaching this class. We love this class. Part of the reason we love this class so much is because we have fought about money. We have stressed about money. We didn't want to live that way anymore. So we followed the steps that we teach in this class. This class covers everything, setting up a budget, sticking to a budget, how to get out of debt, getting rid of the stress and fighting that comes with money how to set your kids up for success, what does my retirement look like? If you are sick and tired of your financial picture, this class is for you. If you want to know, am I doing things right, and can I learn some pointers along the way in my financial journey, this class is for you. You can take an action step, and you can click the Join a Collective box on your connection card. And I'm going to bet our staff is so awesome. The link to that connection card has already been posted in the chat because that's how great our staff is. Next, some of you need to have a serious conversation about faith. If you're a single person, grab a friend, grab somebody you trust, grab me. I'd be happy to talk with you or talk with your family. You're not having a money conversation You're having a faith conversation. 
who found this church online. We like Collective. It's cool. We're here for it pretty much every Sunday. We're enjoying it. Are we ready to own our growth? Are we ready to start financially showing generosity to this church? For others of us who call Collective home, followers of Jesus, you need to have a faith conversation also. If you are not giving to this church, why not? Remember, you have a faith and financial responsibility to do so as an active follower of Jesus. Be honest with yourself. Dig into the why. Learn what your why is. And if you are giving, is God calling you to deepen your faith and give more? I want to close with this, and it applies to all of us who are listening today. What's the condition of your heart? Giving money to God is not about the money. All too often, that's where I put my focus. I go straight to the numbers. It's not about the money. It's about the condition of your heart. Remember 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver. And cheerful giving is a heart response to our relationship with God. And if you want to win in 2021, Make small changes that are going to have a big, lasting impact. First and foremost, start showing financial generosity towards God. The book of Matthew in the New Testament, it tells us where your treasure is, that's where you can find your heart also. The amount of money isn't the focus. The money itself isn't the focus. Your heart is. What is your heart saying about trusting God? Let's pray. God, we love you. God, this isn't an easy topic. Finances are are personal to us. We don't like talking about finances. We especially maybe don't like talking about giving our money away. God, help us to not see that this is a money conversation, but this is a faith conversation. God, I pray that you would show all of us, individual and personalized to each one of us, what is our heart saying about our faith in you? And God, would you show us what should our response be for financial generosity towards you? It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.